685 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, 685 years before his birth, these words were prophesied in Isaiah 7. Read it with me. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. 685 years before he was born, we knew how he would be born, miraculously of a virgin. And we knew who would be born, Emmanuel, God dwelling among us. 715 years before the birth of Jesus, these words were prophesied in Holy Scripture, Micah 5.2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity, 715 years before his birth. We knew where he would be born. O little town of Bethlehem. We knew who would be born, a ruler, but not any ruler, an eternal ruler, who has always been and always will be from the days of eternity. Your Bible is no ordinary book. Your Bible is an incredible book of miraculous prophecy and predictions. There is no book in the world that compares to the book, the holy word of the living God. And it's actually a multitude of books within one book. There are 66 books in our Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Written by approximately 40 different authors, 35 of which we know by name. Written over 1,400 years, spanning 4,000 years of human history. Written in many different genres or types of literature. Literature, we have history and poetry and law and songs, prayers, laments, wisdom literature, gospels, parables, sermons, epistles or letters, apocalypse, prophecy. There is no book like the Bible. Rich and multifaceted and dynamic and life-changing. It is simply amazing in every way. And especially in its prophecies. It's one reason why Peter, the apostle, would pen these important words in his second letter. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the second letter of the apostle Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter, all the way at the end of the New Testament. And as you're turning there. Peter is reminded about the importance of the written word of God and its prophecies. Why? Because he's been recalling this otherworldly experience that we saw last week known as the transfiguration. When Jesus took him and James and John and they go out to the mountain, Elijah is there and Moses is there and the Lord's face glows with this radiant brilliance and his white, his clothes become white like no launder on earth could ever clean, it says. The transfiguration, this this preview, this trailer of the second coming of Jesus Christ, the sequel, this blockbuster that's going to take place, his second advent to this earth. And it's the transfiguration that is God's demonstration of how incredibly dependable the word of God really is. And with that context, Peter pens these words. Verse 19 of 2 Peter 1. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. 
But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit, what? Spoke from God. Three things we're going to learn this morning that are very important about the Word of God. Number one is this. When it comes to the Word of God, be confident it's prophetic revelation. Say that with me. When it comes to the Word of God, be confident it's prophetic revelation. It is fully fully accurate. It is fully trustworthy. It is fully reliable. These are prophetic words. Verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. Prophecy in the Bible, all over the place, there are 1,239 Old Testament prophecies, 578 New Testament prophecies. Of the Old Testament and New Testament prophecies, 87% have been fulfilled, 13 yet to be fulfilled. And of that, that which is unfulfilled, 98% of it will be fulfilled during the tribulation. Prophecy is all over scripture and it assures us of the reliability, accuracy, and trustworthiness of the scriptures that we have. That's why he says you can be made more sure, not less sure. More sure. Grow in your confidence of the word of God. Increase in your certainty of the word of God. God, erase any and all doubts When it comes to the word of God truly being the word of God. And and be able to say as the psalmists declare throughout the Psalms. Psalm 19, 7 through 8. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. Psalm 93. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Psalm 111. All your precepts are sure. They are upheld for how long? Forever. And ever, and ever, and ever. Psalm 119, 128. Therefore, I esteem right all your precepts concerning what? Everything. God's right, God's word is right on everything. Everything. Prophecy makes the Bible more sure. And of all times of year, we certainly should remember it now. As we look back 600 and some years, 700 and some years to the prophecies of scripture concerning the birth of Jesus Christ and we worship the newborn king. We celebrate Christmas. Your Bibles are accurate. The word of God prophesied the coming of our savior and he came. Please don't forget, he's coming again. And as prophecy was foretold for his first coming and fulfilled, prophecy has been foretold of his second coming. It is a living reality, friends. He is coming back. Be prepared. When it comes to the word of God, be confident. It's prophetic revelation. When it comes to the word of God, be attentive It's powerful illumination. Say that with me. Be attentive. It's powerful illumination. It's powerful and it's practical and yet it's so personal as well. Verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well, he says, to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So he says, I want you to pay attention to the word of God. And he says, this is the smart thing to do. And if you want to be wise in this life, you pay attention to the word of God. He says, you will do well if you do this. You'll do yourself a favor. You'll be blessed. 
You'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened. You'll be rewarded when you pay attention to the word of God. And by the way, you'll be awfully smart. Because people who do not pay attention to the word of God are awfully dumb. And you have an option here to whether let God's word increase your wisdom or do it on your own like most of the world. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Psalm 119 tells us how smart. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. You want to be wiser than the enemies? Be in the word of God. I have more insight than all my teachers. You want to understand more than the, than the most educated? Be in the word of God. I understand more than the aged. Those with the greatest amount of experience will not hold a candle to you when you are in the word of God. That is one reason why the psalmist will go on to say in, in verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. He's saying, I just love the word of God. It is so sweet. It increases my wisdom and my insight and my knowledge and I grow in all kinds of ways. Every single morning I have some coffee. And in my coffee I put honey. Anybody else put honey in your coffee? You are the sanctified holy among us. <laughs> I put honey in my coffee. I take that spoon and I just put it in the honey and I put it in my coffee. And, I, I just, and then I take that spoon afterward and I, mm, oh, it's so sweet. It's so good. I have honey every single morning but I also have the word of God every single morning. I want to encourage you to get into the word of God and by the way, make a big old pot of it. Some of you think, well, I got to have coffee every single morning. No, you need the word of God every single morning. You don't need coffee. You need the word of God. Okay, have coffee with the word of God. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But have the word of God every single morning and let it sweeten your soul and give you wisdom and insight into this life. Now, he says here in verse 19, to which you do well to pay attention. He says, I want you paying attention to the word of God. I'll say it again. Pay attention to the word of God. When you open it up for yourself and you read it, pay attention to it and reread it. What did it say? Get deeper into it. When you hear it taught in a Sunday school class or a life group or a Bible study, pay attention to it. When you're in Awana, young people, pay attention to the scriptures. When you're here on a Sunday morning, pay attention to what is preached, what is taught. And may I say, put your phones away. Unless you have scripture on your phone. Okay, no, no, I understand. No problem. Pay attention to the word of God. You do well if you pay attention. You don't do well if you don't pay attention. Listen attentively. And listen attentively also means obey it. It was Jesus in Matthew 7 who said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and slammed against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Listen attentively and you will be rock solid as a rock and on the rock. Jesus would go on to say in Matthew 13, the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Listen attentively. And you will be incredibly fruitful for God in this life. 
If you want to make a difference in this life and you want to make a difference in eternity, pay attention to the word of God. Listen to it and obey it. Jesus in Luke 11 said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. You want the blessing of God upon your life? Pay attention to his word and observe it. So we need to listen attentively. We need to read attentively when it comes to our Bibles. And some of us are just not attentive when it comes to reading scripture. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures. Through the what? The encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So as I read scripture and I read my Bible every single day I am encouraged and filled with hope. Man, sometimes life is hard. And some of you right now are discouraged in life with things that are taking place. And maybe some of you here are even without hope. There's no hope in your marriage and there's no hope for your job and there's no hope with your health and there's no hope with your children and there's no hope with with your finances and, and you just feel like you're discouraged and there's no hope. That's why he says read the Bible. He says there is encouragement in the scriptures that we might have hope. So instead of walking around and criticizing and crying and complaining about how bad everything is, pick up your Bibles and let's get into the Word of God and let's read it and let's let's study it and, and let's listen to it and let's let God make a difference in our lives. Yes, there's times to talk to people and pray with people and and share with people, but man, by all means, get together with God and look in His Word. There is in, there's incredible encouragement in the scriptures, and he says that we might have hope. By the way, 1 Timothy 4.13. It's a command of the Lord, until I come give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and, to pray, and teaching. That's why we have so much scripture up on the screen. That's why Raleigh will lead us in scripture from time to time. A lot of churches have gotten away from this. There's power in the word of God. We dare not fall away from the word of God or we lose power. It's, it's his word. There's encouragement there and there's hope there. So let's listen attentively and let's read attentively and let's study attentively. Studying the Bible is not just my job or the eight pastors on staff's here job. Studying the Bible is our privilege and your privilege to have a copy of the scriptures, the word of God, and to read it for yourself And to study it for yourself? Luke wrote some beautiful words concerning the Berean believers in Acts chapter 17. Listen to this. Now these, that's the Berean believers, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. This is amazing. You know what he's saying? The church over there was better than the church over here. What would God say about our church compared to other churches? My prayer is that he would say, boy, Harvest is a great church compared to some churches. Well, how do do we become a great church that's better than other churches? That's more noble-minded. These were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. He's saying, you know what's going to make you better than other churches? Being noble-minded. And you know what noble-minded Christians are? They receive the word of God eagerly. You come in here hungry for the word of God. 
He says, you know how you become a better church than other churches? You come in here hungry for God's word. Who's hungry for God's word? Okay, three of you are. <laughs> Who's here hungry for God's word? I mean, I, I got a dog. My dog's name is Scout, big Weimariner, 110-pound big guy. And, and you know what? Let me tell you, when he gets hungry, he lets you know it. He gets hungry, he comes over and just paws at you. And he bangs on the door and he follows you everywhere. When he's hungry, he lets you know it. Are you hungry, church? I want you to come in here like a hungry pack of dogs. That's what you need to do on Sundays and throughout the week. You need to come in here saying, I want the word of God. I want the word of God. I want the word of God. I don't want fluff. I want the word of God. Listen, that's how you become noble-minded. You receive the word of God eagerly. And not only that, you examine the scriptures daily. Daily means every day. It means you're in the word of God every day. It means you're studying the word of God every day. You're examining the scriptures every day. You know, uh, my dog Scout, I gave him some medicine yesterday. Big white pill for an infection in his ears. And, and you know, I tried giving him the pill. You think he's going to take it? No. So I got to put it in a piece of bread and wrap it up and say, here's Scout. He chews up the bread and he spit the pill out. <laughs> That's okay. I, I knew how to fix him. I got the peanut butter out. I slathered that pill in all kinds of goopy peanut butter, stuck it in the bread, gave it to him. He's chewing it up, chews it up, spits the bread out, licks all the peanut butter off the pill, spits it out. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, dog? I, I want you to understand something very important. If I feed you anything from this pulpit that is not biblical... Or if anybody tries feeding you some kind of, you know, something smothered in religious peanut butter, you spit it out. And you dare not swallow it. You hear something on Christian radio that's not biblically sound, you spit it out. You hear something on Christian TV that's not biblically sound, you spit it out. I don't care how much religious mumbo-jumbo peanut butter they put it in. You spit it out. You examine the scriptures and you dig into the word of God for yourself. You listen attentively and you read attentively and you study attentively. And God's word tells us to meditate. Not, um, that's not what he's talking about. He tells us to meditate on the word of God. It means to think on the word of God and chew on the word of God. You see some people, they can chew the same piece of gum all day long. Can I tell you something? God's word never loses its flavor. Just chew on it all day long. Chew on that verse. Chew on that passage. Chew on that psalm, those proverbs. Those, chew on the word of the living God. Why? Well, look what happens when you meditate. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night and you shall be, so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. They're about ready to go into the promised land. A, a, a new adventure awaits them. You want success? Meditate on the word of God and do it. Some of you here have a new adventure you're about to take part in, a, a new job or a new relationship or a new something. You better do it God's way. You don't do it God's way, you have no success. You don't do it God's way, you have no prosperity. 
You're just going to be banging your head against another brick wall with that relationship. Banging your head against another brick wall with that job. Because you're not doing it God's way. You've got to do it God's way if you want his blessing upon it. Psalm 1, 2, and 3. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His law he meditates. How often? Day and night he's chewing on the word of God. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit and its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does, he what? He prospers. You want God's blessing? Do it God's way. Meditate on his word. Psalm 119, 97 and 99. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation. How much? All the day. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers. How is that possible? Your testimonies are my meditation. I can't get enough of the word of God is what he's saying. Think on it. Be in it. Grow. Listen, read, study, meditate. And how about, how about we memorize it? Oh, I'm no good at memorizing, Pastor Scott. Yeah, but you know, you got all those baseball stats down pretty good. Hmm. It's amazing the things we can memorize when we want to memorize. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Psalm 119, 9 and 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? Boy, is that a good question. How could any young person living in this world today in our culture and society be pure? Wow, talk about swimming upstream. How can anybody remain pure in this life? He gives the answer. By keeping it according to your word, verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Please listen carefully. We're not serious about overcoming sin until we're serious about memorizing scripture. I don't believe we are serious about overcoming sin until we're serious about memorizing scripture. You can say, yeah, I'm tired of that habit in my life and I'm tired of that sin and I keep falling back into that sin, Pastor Scott. You're not serious about overcoming sin until you're serious about memorizing scripture. You struggle with lust? You need to start memorizing scripture on lust. You struggle with gluttony and overeating? You need to start memorizing scripture on those topics. You struggle with your temper? You get so angry and you lose it? You need to start memorizing scripture. You, you have a foul mouth. You need to start memorizing scripture on purity of speech. We're not serious about overcoming sin until we're serious about memorizing scripture. He says, I want you to pay attention to the word. Pay attention. And then he says this. Pay attention to the light to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. You know the verse well, Psalm 119, 106. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And right away, I just want to break out into that old chorus. Your word is a... But anyway. But that's what it is. Psalm 119, 130. The unfolding of your words, what? Gives light. Proverbs 6, 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. He's saying, take the word of God. It is light for your steps. It is light for your path. You you guys know I love to run. A couple runs every week. I'm out there with friends at 5.30 in the morning. 
If anybody wants to join us tomorrow morning, 5.30 in the morning at Sawiki, the trails. Now, 5.30 in the morning, it's pitch black. So we're running through the woods, single track trails, up and down, roots and rocks. How are we doing that? With big old lamps on our heads. This is what we have to wear. This is a picture of Arthur Gallegos. That's scary right there. <laughs> we're wearing headlamps is what we're doing. And we're running through the, through the woods like nuts. I know. That's just what we do. It's what we are. That's how we do it. Okay. We've got to navigate these trails in the middle of the woods. And this is what it looks like. That's pretty dark. But when you have that lamp right in front of you, you can see everything. You see the roots, you see the rocks, you see the hills, you see everything coming. Listen, you can't run in the dark. Listen, you can't live in this dark world. You can't do it without the light of God's word. You can't. It's impossible. This world is a very dark place, and dark means murky and dirty and filthy. And listen, this world began as pure paradise in a garden. Wow, to go back there. This world is now a dark, murky, stinky swamp of sin. That is the world you live in. Now, there's, yes, there's beauty here, but this is a fallen world. And it is dark, and it is dirty, and it is sinful. And there's a lot of things in this world that can trip us up. There, there's plenty of sin we can easily fall into and hurt ourselves and hurt others. Uh, I was running a a trail, a deer trail the other day with a friend or two weeks ago in a forest preserve. And all of a sudden, I just went, boom. I just went down. That's me. He took a picture of me. Boom. It's like, well, what happened? I didn't see this. That's barbed wire right there. It was just low-lying barbed wire that had been smushed down probably, who knows how long it had been there, old farmer's field that had been bought by the forest preserve. Never saw it. Boom. That's the world in which we live in. There's all kinds of traps out there. And it's a dark world, which makes it an even more dangerous world. Eight weeks ago, a group of friends and I ran that 50 miles, you know, down into the Grand Canyon, up the North Rim, back down to the Colorado River, back up uh, the, to the South Rim. Guess what? We started in the dark, and we ended in the dark. And this is what we look like going down those trails with our headlamps. And it's dark. And and by the way, we ran what seemed like endless twisting switchbacks. And I want you to understand, there we are, the guys are making a turn there. On the other side of the guys, above them, is nothing but sheer thousands of feet into nothingness. You don't have a light, you run off the end, you die. It's just that simple. You plummet to your death. You've got to have light or, or, or you die. You've got to have the light of the word of God or you die in this world or you're going to be seriously injured in this world. Listen, light up the world in which you live. Light it up. Shine forth the word of God into everything you do and everywhere you go and every decision you make. Take the word of God and apply it to everything you do. Is this going to please God? What's God's word say? Everywhere you go, is, am I following God's word and his light? Every decision I make, is this based on what God's word says? Lest you plummet off the side and make some serious bad mistakes in your life. We, we got too many Christians running around this life, so to speak, with needless injuries because they didn't have the light on. So many Christians running around in life, stumbling through life because they won't turn on the light. Wasting time, groping around in the dark. I don't know what to do. Turn on the light. 
uh, lost and confused and directionless. Turn on the light. Turn on the light of God's holy word. Light up your world and light up your soul. I need to turn the light of God's word on, not just for the decisions I make, for, but for the person that I am. Because God's word casts light on the sin of this world as well as the sin in my soul. And let me tell you something. It exposes the dirt and decay and the grime and the filth and the flaws in my life. I'm a flawed man and I'm a pastor. Yeah, I'm still a sinner like you. And so when we turn on the word of God, the light, it exposes our sin. And you know what it does? It helps purify us. And it reveals our motives. Maybe our wrong motives. And our mixed motives. And our true motives. See, the word of God exposes the deepest recesses of my heart. That's why we read in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word of God becomes this laser light that performs the deepest of surgeries on my soul and on your soul, going to the depth of marrow in the bone, opening up who I am. And exposing any wickedness, any and all sin, any and all flaws in me and in you. And and, and let me just say something here. Some light is better than no light. Because some of you think, well, I don't have an hour to spend every morning. Yeah, but you've got five minutes. You know, I was running uh, this past Wednesday, 5.30 in the morning with the guys and ran out a quarter of a mile and my headlamp went out. I just put new batteries in too. So I'm not going to be out there running in the dark. I had to run back to the car. I have an an older headlamp, a spare that I keep in my car. Who keeps a spare headlamp? I do, sorry. Anyway, um, but it's an old one. It's not near as good. The light is really dim. But you know what? Some light was better than no light. I want to encourage you, some time in the word of God is better than no time in the word of God. Just read a proverb a day. It's just one chapter. Maybe dwell on a couple verses. Maybe, maybe pick up a, a daily bread out at the ministry information center. We keep those available for you. Short little devotionals. Look up some scripture. Just some light is better than no light. Just get into the word of God and let it guide you. So, so pay attention to the word and pay attention to the light. And by the way, pay attention to the light of the world. Look what he says in verse 19. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. The day is going to dawn and the morning star rises. What was all that about? Well, keep shining the light of God's word until the day you see the light of the world. And the light of the world, Jesus Christ, you are going to see someday. Your faith will be made sight. And this is the day that is dawning clearly, again, prophetic in Scripture. Matthew 24, for just as lightning comes from the east, flashes even to the west, so will this coming of the Son of Man be, this radiant display of almighty power of the Savior. 
Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. This angelic army beyond number is coming back with our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. This powerful, incredible announcement is coming one day. Listen, he is the morning star. Revelation 22, Jesus said, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let one, the one who hears say, come. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Say it with me. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. As he came the first time, he is coming a second time. Understand, it's a living reality. When it comes to the word of God, be confident. It's prophetic revelation. Be attentive. It's powerful illumination. Third, be amazed. It's divine inspiration. Say it with me. Be amazed. It's divine inspiration. It is supernatural, the word of God is. It is from God. Look at verse 20 and 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So so we're talking certainty, know this. We're talking priority, first of all. Get this down, this is important. We're talking prophecy, no prophecy of scripture as a matter, all of it. And we're talking interpretation. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Interpretation literally means an unloosing. It means an unfolding or a disclosing. Let me give you some of the possible meanings of this passage. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. And I believe these are all true. First, scripture must be interpreted in context. I can't yank a verse out of context and make it mean what it doesn't mean. And people do that all the time. Sometimes ignorant believers do that. At other times, evil false teachers do that. You can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. When you rip it out of context, listen, we've got to let Scripture interpret Scripture. What does it mean within the context and what does it mean compared to other verses already found in the scriptures? So it can mean that. Secondly, scripture shouldn't be interpreted according to my liking. Uh, We've all heard Christians, well, I feel this way about this verse. I really don't care how you feel. (laughs) What's it mean? What's it say in context? And Well, I believe it means this. There's too much I in our interpretation. Thirdly, Holy Scripture can't be correctly interpreted without the Holy Spirit. It could mean that. It's not according to my interpretation. We've been given a holy book and we need a holy God to understand it. 1 Corinthians 2.14, a natural man, an unsaved man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. The unsaved world doesn't get the Bible. They can't get it. It's impossible unless the Spirit of God makes it known to them. That's why it's impossible for you and I to come to faith unless the Spirit of God reveals our need. And he takes those blinders off and we come under conviction by the Word of God. 
That's God working in our own hearts by a spirit. The spirit convicts of sin and draws us to himself. This is a Holy Spirit inspired book and it requires the Holy Spirit to understand it. And by the way, not only does it require the Holy Spirit to understand it, I think I, think I, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to understand the word of God. What do you mean by that? Well, let me put it to you this way. If I'm not filled with the Spirit of God, I don't have evidence of the fruit. Well, how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, by the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, say this with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's going to be really hard for me to get anything out of my Bible reading. If I'm filled with hate, and I'm going to open up the Bible... And I'm impatient, and I'm unkind, and and I'm just filled with with me instead of God. Listen carefully. It's going to be very hard for you to get anything out of a sermon when you come in here with a critical spirit instead of God's spirit filling you. It's very hard. We need to approach the word of God filled with the spirit of God. You know what that means? That means I need to spend time in prayer to God. Before I open my Bible in the morning, I need to confess any and all sin, take a moment with God. You know, before you come into church, we need to spend some time with God. Make sure we're ready to receive the word of God. Not filled with a critical spirit, but filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's another thing that I think this passage teaches us. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Well, scripture didn't originate with man, but with God. And of all of these reasons, that one probably best fits this section. Because we're told in verse 21, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Scripture is not man-made. Scripture is not man-motivated. Scripture is not man-manipulated. Scripture is God-initiated and God-inspired. It is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.15 Paul to Timothy, that from childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Say it with me. All scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So scripture is not subject to human interpretation. Scripture is not man-made, and Scripture is Holy Spirit-inspired. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Now, the word moved is the same word used in Acts chapter 27, when Paul is on board a ship, and it's caught in a storm. Acts 27, when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. They were moved Verse 17, then fearing that they would run aground and on the surface, they, they lowered the gear and thus they were what? Driven along. They were moved. So moved means carried along, driven along, an outside force compelling them. You know, it's kind of like the sails of a boat being filled with wind and driven by wind and carried along by wind. As someone had said, the men who wrote scripture were windswept children of God driven, compelled by the Spirit of God into these mysterious currents they couldn't even explain. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. Men of God, 
filled with the Holy Spirit of God, writing the Word of God. Human authors controlled by the divine author. And it doesn't mean they were in a mindless trance. But they were given recall and visions and insight and wisdom. And God filled them and used them and used their backgrounds and their personalities. And they spoke from God. Forty different authors, three different languages, three different continents, 1,400 years, 4,000 years spanning human history, no contradictions whatsoever, filled with prophecy and wisdom and all the genres of literature. It is an incredible holy book, born of God, driven by God, controlled by God, and spoken by God and given to you. Be in his word every single day. So when it comes to the word of God, say it with me. Be confident. It's prophetic revelation. Be attentive. It's powerful illumination. And be amazed. It's divine inspiration.